Hi there. Welcome to Finding Space with Alex Tyson, the show that celebrates the everyday legends who put in the hard work to become who they want to be and live the life they want to live. For people who understand that when we practice compassion and find wisdom within ourselves, we find success and happiness. Join me in hearing amazing stories from everyday individuals who have found incredible personal and professional growth through varied and, at times, wild methods of self-improvement and self-responsibility. And through their unique perspectives and work, have gone on to better the lives of those around them. From nurturing health to growing your wealth or enjoying the present to crafting your future, no aspect of life is off topic. And hey guys, just a quick note that we recorded this podcast before we rebranded our company from iHealth Saunas to Found Space. So if you hear any references of iHealth Saunas, that's why. Today, I'm sweating it out with Tamsin Rosenberg. Tamsin is the founder and CEO of two of Australia's leading mental well-being organizations, Get Real Institute and Alive. She has been on the innovative edge of mental health, well-being education and performance psychology for 15 years, specializing in providing training and support tools for young people, parents, educators, support workers and corporate teams. Get Real and Alive work with over 60,000 students and 350 sporting clubs across Australia and support over 500 families each year. Tamsin also works with 300 executives and over 12,000 employees each year. Tamsin is a huge advocate for the benefits of healthy rituals and patterns that we build into our lives. We cover morning meditation, gratitude practice, morning sauna, ice baths, and Tamsin takes us through one round of stress-reducing breathwork. Regarding the breathwork, guys, I do recommend giving it a try with us in the podcast. It is really fun. However, if you are currently taking any medications or using a pacemaker, please do not try at home. Also, please do not try if you are sitting in a body of water or standing. And so I give you Tamsin Rosenberg. Tamsin, thank you for coming on the podcast. It is an absolute pleasure. Lovely to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I, I, uh, I do wish that it could be in person, but uh, given the current climate, uh, I think Zoom is going to be as good as it can get. <laughs> for a little while yet. <laughs> it's a bit hard to get social distancing going in the sauna together. <laughs> Yeah, even I've got a fairly large sauna here, but yeah, I think uh, social distancing isn't going to be happening inside here. Um, so to get things started, um, what would uh, what would be the sweatiest moment you've ever experienced? Oh, probably in in days of hiking, actually. Um, so one of my challenges to um, prepare. I, I love trying things that really test the body's limits and see how far my body can carry me and take me. And um, I have been training for um, climbing Everest Base Camp. Wow. And as part of that training, I um, I coaxed my best friend into going to South America with me and hiking the Inca Trail. So we had all these series of, like, challenges to prepare for hiking the trail, like doing a thousand steps a day and, um, uh, you know, a whole bunch of different things. And one of the experiences that I decided to sign myself up for was going and hiking um, something called Roy's Peak in New Zealand. And it was a six hour hike. So it wasn't quite, it wasn't very long, but it was incredibly steep. Right. So in the six hours, you go four hours up, two hours down, your, your elevation is 1,500 feet or 1,500 meters. Um, so it, w- it was quite, quite steep. 
but I was thinking like it's not exactly base camp so um, I'll give myself the challenge of walking all the way from the caravan park which was then another <laughs> eight hours on top of it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Each way, you know, so it was like a, a crazy long hike, this huge steep elevation going up was fine. It was, um, you know, exhausting but fine but coming down my joints were aching. I was I couldn't tell was I the sweatiest I've ever been or the wettest I've ever been because it was I was sweating like <laughs> you know uh, absolute sh- rainstorm and it was raining and it was cold and everything was frozen and it was just awesome <laughs> I think that would definitely make my sweatiest bucket list um and uh yeah d- just note to self you know when there's an extreme hike don't walk all the way from the caravan park first for eight hours <laughs> like just just drive <laughs> so did you end up walking back to the caravan park as well? Yeah, and it was so funny because all the way there, um, we dragged my partner into it. All the way there, we're chatting, chatting. Oh, I was so excited to be doing this. Halfway up the mountain, we're like, okay, this is tough. At the top of the mountain, don't talk to me. Coming down the mountain, shut up. <laughs> At the bottom of the mountain, silence. <laughs> like, all the way back, there was not a word spoken. Every now and then, you're right. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> you know, it's just like but it was so good and it was such a good challenge and um we went back to a hot uh, you know hot uh, sauna and um cold plunge pool to recover so yeah i i think uh i think you and i are very alike in that sense of like okay this is like what normal people do how can i like take that to the extreme and just like add all of this extra work on you know um, just to really push yourself. Yeah. But it's so fun, isn't it? You discover like, you discover so much about yourself when you go um, past the levels of comfort, even past the levels of what you thought was possible into then, um, you know, you're fully stretched, not to the point of abusing your body, but fully stretched to like, wow, here I am at capacity. And that capacity changes all the time, but you're really walking the edge of what what is possible for your body or yourself or your life in that moment. And I love that. Really love it. Yeah, exactly. It's like, and and in those moments of, uh, I guess, discomfort, um, like that's where the growth happens. I think whether whether that's mentally or physically, when you when you go into that space of like, hmm, there's a lot of unknown here and I'm not feeling very comfortable and there's a bit of suck involved. A lot of time that's where the magic happens. In fact, I even find now that when I, when I have something that's coming up that I need to do, if I find that there's resistance there like internally that some part of me doesn't want to do it, I'm like, okay, that means I have to do it because something good is going to come out of that, you know, because there's, there's going to be some learning there or there's going to be something um, that, yeah, it just benefits my being overall. So I can totally relate to that. I like that. And so um, you're doing so many amazing things in the um, mental wellness space at the moment. Uh, in fact, I remember when we first met and I was just learning about all the things you were doing. I was like, how do you have so much time in the day? It's really amazing. And um, where did that passion come from? Because you've been on that on that journey for a number of years now. Where, where did that sort of originate from? I think I've always had that passion. It's always something that um, uh, that has been a massive value for me my whole life. Um, my mum just came to visit me. Um, for we, we went out for dinner 
for the first time since lockdown, you know, uh, uh, about a week ago. And she was sharing a story with me that I'd forgotten about um, when I came back from, uh, it must have been like a year 11 school camp or something. And she got called into the principal's office and, and thought it was something serious or something naughty I'd done at camp or something like that. They said, we need to, we need to talk to you about Tamsin. Um, and so my mum went into the office and, and she sat down with the principal and, and she's like really nervous. And, and she said, uh, the principal started to share with her how she was a little worried about, um, you know, if I was going to get bullied or teased or whatever, because at camp I had been caught sitting around the, the campfire giving everyone lectures on how smoking was so bad and how drugs were so bad and how um, how they should look after their lives and if they meditated they would have all these amazing realizations and they wouldn't need <laughs> and this was like when I was 16 years old so you know um, I was laughing so hard at this because um, this is sort of like how how I became known amongst my friends group is like uh, always so alternative and always so interesting in maxing out what you can get from your mind and your body and and your life you know it's about for me the passion is about a life fully lived you know and living your best version of your life and if you don't have access to the best version of your brain and that's the computer that's driving this body this machine um, this temple that we're in if you're not feeding your soul and nourishing your your spirit then you're not getting maximum capacity for everything that part of your being can give you if you're not looking after this this temple with nutrition and and health rituals and um, how can you ask for the best out of this experience and so for me that's always been common sense and something that I have invested in at every stage in my life and dedicated my career to. So um, one of the biggest challenges I've been asked to face would be living with um, mental health struggles with anxiety in particular and to be able to have managed that my whole life to it never not only not limiting me but being actually an asset in my life I then feel very passionate about sharing that with others sharing you know learning stuff and then sharing it with others learning stuff and then sharing it with others and and just being on this constant um, student journey with my clients friends family children partner everything you know I think that's what it's all about. Yeah, absolutely. I think as as we learn these things that help us personally, there's just this drive to want to share it with the world, you know, as I know you have so many great techniques and morning rituals, which I'm excited to get into and talk more about. Um, but I'm sure as you develop those, you were just telling everyone about them because you saw how they affected your life in such a positive way. Um, Back to when you were dealing with the anxiety and that sort of thing, I, I, I'm lucky I've never dealt with anxiety personally, but I've seen the effects on, on others and it's crippling, uh, especially during like an anxiety attack. Was there, was there a period in your life where you were going through that and it was quite strong that made you seek how to deal with it or were you always just kind of trying to figure it out? 
No, I mean, I, as a child, I lived with it a lot and I just thought it was normal. Um, I remember the first time I went to seek help was when I was going through my divorce. I was in my early 20s and I had two young boys um, and I was going through a, a very sort of messy separation and divorce. And um, the change in my family lifestyle and being under this massive trauma and stressor just brought it all um, up into in, into panic attack stages where pretty much day to day was like a living panic attack, nonstop waves and waves of panic attacks, um, and I'd never had it to that degree before, and so I sought help. I went to a counsellor and a um, psychologist straight away, and uh, tried a few different types of trauma counselling and. Um, found one that I found really supportive, which was much more play-based therapy. It was very creative in its expression and it kind of caught me off guard. It was less talking and more exploring. So I really loved that. Um, and I remember when I was first seeing her, she said to me, isn't it funny that your your mind thought or you, you thought it was normal to cry yourself to sleep at night as a child because you were so filled with fear? I thought every child experience that right. so I was having massive anxiety all the way through my my childhood but to me that was just a normal part of growing up that was just something that everybody had to face and it wasn't until I started to seek help as an adult going through a big change that I realized that low level anxiety had been there all my life and that I hadn't um, known what to do with it I'd, I'd kind of normalized it but not been able to get control of it so it wasn't until I went through this big life-changing experience and it all sort of flared up that I actually got a chance to see it for what it was and um, and get some quite significant help. Um, I fell in love with psychology through that time and that's when I started my training and became a, a counsellor myself and um, trained in all different types of therapy um, and really love it as a as a form of sort of unpicking what go, goes on in the mind so that you can have great healing and great, um, not just relief from the symptoms, but great resolve and self-discovery and, you know, use these things as a way to get to know yourself better than than you did before. So um, it became a, a, a great awakening journey for me um, uh, through a 10-year period and ongoing, you know. So that was the biggest change and start of my my discovery of who I am as a as a being as a person and um, and what works for me to support my mind mm. and my body and my nervous system and and my life the best you know yeah that's beautiful I when I grew up I <clears throat> for me health was always a physical thing that we you know, that I worked on. It was like the physical food that I put in, the physical water I'm drinking, um, movement. And the mind kind of came after that uh, for me. It was, I don't know, I started learning about how our thoughts affect our our physical body and how if we hold on to things or we don't let go or we're, we're always nervous or we're always coming from a, f a place of fear, these things end up manifesting in physical issues down the track. And I remember the first time I heard that, I just thought, oh, that's a bit weird for me. I don't know if I, if I subscribe to that. And now more than ever, I'm like, no, let's start with the mind actually because if we don't get that right, it's going to be really difficult to drive any new habits, any real change in our life if we're coming from the wrong place. So I think it's a really 
I guess, a blessing in disguise back when you were going through that to have had to experience and, and deal with that that anxiety to then work through it and, and learn and appreciate how significant what's going on in our brain actually is. Um, and then that seems to have flowed through to um, some some beautiful rituals and things that, that you do every day. And um, so coming out of that then, when did you start to uh, focus more on, on the body? I know you're big on the nervous system and, and sauna and ice baths and those kind of things. Was that kind of after those, that 10 year period of um, working as a counselor? I imagine it all started to come together at a similar time. It did, yeah. It was very. Your um, I, I, first few years of my study was very mainstream, and then the next five years was very alternative. So I was then very much getting into, um, you know, in the first in the first stage, it was like, what can the mind do? What can our thoughts do? What can talking do as a process? What can play and creativity do to help us overcome? Um, sort of patterns that we have playing out so definitely the mind was first for me and then I started to experience the interconnectedness of all of those thoughts and our emotionality so our emotional body and I I spent then the next three years really diving into um, a much more depth therapy where you're exposing yourself to strong emotional states and experiencing a release of them and a rewiring of what they mean, the story means. So I spent about three years really diving into emotional-based therapies, incredibly powerful. And it was during those years that I started to get really out of whack um, when I worked too much. So if I saw more than three clients a day, I would find I would be not able to turn the ticky-ticky down at night. It was like I was really wired, hyped up. And I realized what I was doing was opening energetically with people and emotionally with people um, but I wasn't um, I wasn't taking care of my body sometimes I wouldn't even eat until two o'clock in the afternoon and I wouldn't notice because I was so in love with what I was doing um, and so I, it actually led to a, a quite a weird period of time where I was I was anxious but not um, it was almost like chronic stress, a build-up of chronic stress, and my solution to that was found in, in caring for the body. So I started getting regular massages, regular chiropractic, regular saunas, regular detoxing. So I detox once every six weeks. I, you know, I never drank alcohol or too much coffee or whatever through those times. But as I, you know, in the years since, I make sure that I drop any any alcohol consumption or coffee or um, heavy toxins or anything and make sure that I'm really cleansing my body regularly and, and doing morning rituals. And I found by doing, the key for me was the morning rituals. Um, and when I started to get rituals that worked for me every day and they came before everything else before opening my emails before opening my socials before before um even taking care of the kids i i raised my children primarily on my own and had three children through those years i was studying and training um and so before the children woke up i would make sure i was up doing my rituals my routines and that was like this the thread of calm that held everything together then I could go next level with my depth of emotional opening and the mind working with the mind so so cleverly and deep openings into the soul and it just grounded everything 
Mm. Yeah, that time in the morning is, it's, if you don't have that, the days when I don't do my morning thing, then you, 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 the day is impacting you. You can't impact the day from there. <laughs> you know, you just you don't have your magic on, hey? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. It's like, where's my fairy dust today? I, it's gone, you know. Um, so, so what are some of those um, or what's your morning ritual at the moment? I like the way you ask that question, actually, because I do change it up a lot. I, I find I get, I mean, the one consistent thing for me is the sauna, which I'm very blessed to be sitting in an eye health sauna. I absolutely love it. And I have been saunering daily for two years now. Um, and this is the one thing I never get bored of. It never changes for me. I This is the key component. But it becomes also my prayer temple. So I don't have um, a particular religion or, uh, you know, I, I meditate and I pray and I'm all sorts of things. So I just have no, no kind of rules for myself around um, around faith um, but I certainly have faith in something bigger than myself so I make sure that when I'm when I'm in here in the morning the first thing I do is my dry brushing ritual so I'm first taking care of my body so when I when I wake up in the morning I turn the sauna on I make myself a cup of tea or a cup of coffee or whatever I feel like that morning and I go back to bed and I do my intention writing before while it's warming up because it only takes 20 minutes to get to the temperature I like to start in and in my intention writing I do my gratitude practice which is at least three things that I feel grateful for that morning and I take time to feel each one not just write it down Um, I download the things that I'd like to achieve for the day and what my focus points are. I have a little, I use um, something called uh, Best Life Journal um, to do that process, but I change it up quite a bit. And and then I come into the sauna and I bring my apple cider vinegar water. So I get through a litre of um, watered, you know, apple cider vinegar, a tablespoon into my litre of water. Yeah. And um, I do my dry brushing, so full dry brushing ritual while my skin's still dry. And then um, I'm in here for about 45 minutes to an hour every day. Mm. So in that time, I meditate, I pray, I do my Wim Hof breathing, which is um, the best kind of dynamic breathing exercise. I I teach about five different styles of breathing techniques for different outcomes. Um, The retention breath one I really, really like when it comes to accessing the vagus nerve and, um, and being able to control your body at a subconscious level, being able to control your mind and move you into a relaxed, meditative kind of magic state where you really can be um, influencing the world around you. So I really love that. And then I do ice bathing. So, yeah, that's that's how I start the morning each day, a bit of a yoga stretch at the end of it. Um, and if it's on one of my run days, I go for a run before my sauna. So That's awesome. Uh, yeah, I, I, I love every single bit of that. Um, I feel like you and I have the same um, meditation practice in the morning, things you're talking about, exactly the same things that I do myself. Um, so you touched a bit about the vagus nerve. Uh, tell, tell me a little bit more about that. What's, what, what is the vagus nerve and kind of why do we want to activate it? 
So it's actually part the part of the brain that uh, it's still very controversial whether we can control it or access it or, or not. Um, it's the part that's responsible for activating um, your relaxation response, so your sympathetic nervous, your, your parasympathetic nervous system that calms everything down in the body. It teaches your body or allows your body to um, relax. It's what sends you into uh, detox um, and and uh, and what's called the rest digest response that's the parasympathetic nervous system but the relaxation response in the body is controlled and a lot of our thought processes that go on inside our mind are controlled by the vagus nerve which acts kind of outside of our um our control most of the time but when we enter deep meditative states, we have the opportunity to to impact and control and access that control center in the brain. Uh, and it only mm. happens at very, very deep meditative states. Um, the same way as you reach deeper levels of sleep, um, where the brain operates in different ways, different parts of the brain waves are activating each other. So um, one of the shortcuts to accessing the the power of the vagus nerve and the and the relaxation response in the body is through breathing techniques breath is um it's like a secret ingredient we have not been using to our um fullest potential so it's a really great opportunity to be able to um especially for people that don't meditate well that don't naturally find it easy to relax i find my mind is incredibly active so breathing exercises are a really useful way of bypassing um, a lot of that sort of, you know, self-imposed stress. Right. Um, it gives you something to do, but it also gives you direct access to the vagus nerve when you are on that command center of the brain. Mm. Um, you can literally slow your heart rate down, even in the sauna. I've played with this so many times when I'm in the stressor of heat or cold. I can manipulate my my heart rate. Even um, I can manipulate my blood pressure. I can I can manipulate absolutely what's happening inside my body when I'm in control that way by doing my breathing exercises. So it's a very powerful um, opportunity to to kind of access the control panel really of your of your mind. Yeah, I love that. How how, uh, how can we access the control panel? Tamsin, do you think you could give us a give us a taster? Absolutely, yeah, I can. Um, uh, now, normally this exercise would take you about twenty minutes to go through. So what I'll do is I'll take you through um, one or two rounds of the dynamic retention breath. Um, if you want to explore this method in detail, um, I'd recommend Wim Hof method. I do my own um, sort of edited version of this because I find that there's some really safe, beautiful psychology breathing um, strategies that are very close to this method, mm. um, and they're and they're done in a way that's a little um, more relaxing rather than sort of hyping you up into that state. And so, getting yourself into a comfortable position, you want your back to be supported. I have my um, legs crossed, but it is actually more grounding to have your feet on the floor. Um, yeah, I've got my feet on the floor now. I'm sitting up um, with my back straight. Do I need to be leaning against anything? 
Um, it just depends on how strong your back is. With you, it'll be fine. Okay. I like to lean myself up against something because sometimes what happens when I'm doing this exercise is your head can become quite light. Your your energy. When I talk about your energy, I mean I mean more your body energy um, can become quite spacious. So your sense of awareness can become quite wide so you don't want to be hitting anything if you feel a bit lightheaded. You're taking a lot of deep, um, controlled breaths in. So if you haven't done something like this before, it can have you feeling sort of a little tingly and and lightheaded, which is is good. Um, The breathing is deep, slow and controlled. So it's not fast rushing breaths in and out. Right. Definitely do not do this in water or when you're standing up. You can do it lying down in bed before you go to sleep if you find you do get the dizzy head. Sometimes I get like ringing in my ears and stuff when I'm doing this exercise. All those things, tingling hands, it's just from the extra oxygen rushing into your body. Um, So when you're doing the breathing, um, you're doing 30 to 40 cycles of deep in-breaths. And when I say deep, you're, you're doing a big filling your belly filling your chest, filling right up to the top of your head. So it's a real big... And then when you do your out-breath, you're just letting it go. You're not emptying your lungs like we do with the yogic cleansing breath. So it's a huge breath in, full capacity. I like to do it through my nose, so I close my lips because when you breathe in and out through your nose, it has additional relaxation qualities to it. So deep breath in through the nose and then release breath. Now, because I found it hard to count while I was breathing, I just time two and a half minutes because that's how long it takes me to do 30 to 40 cycles. You can time your own and then just work to a stop clock. And when you're ready, deep breath in. And release. And already, you should start to feel your head rushing, especially when you're doing it in the sauna and you have all the warm air rushing into your lungs. This is an excellent exercise for anyone that experiences asthma as it's expanding the capacity of the lungs. You're already a minute in. And if you want to, you can close your eyes. And turn all of your attention to your breath.
deeper breaths in as your capacity builds you should be able to take deeper and deeper breaths in Fifteen more seconds. Ten more seconds. Taking them as deep as you can go. And in a minute, you're going to empty your lungs and just hold your breath. And this is the retention part. Taking a deep breath in. And out. And just hold. And we're just not breathing. This is the retention part of the breath. And it's not forcing you to hold. It just should be that your blood body is so flooded with oxygen that there's no need to breathe. feeling your body going deeper and deeper into its relaxation response. And when you feel the need to breathe, you take a deep breath in and you hold it for 10 to 15 seconds, pushing the oxygen into your head, taking a deep breath in, and pushing up into your head. And release. And that's one round. And so each round we do, we go for as long breathing, but longer naturally on the retention. So each retention breath, you'll find the next time you'll be able to go a minute and a half out to two minutes. You're not forcing the body. You're just relaxing and letting it just rest breathlessly. And then when you feel the urge to breathe, you take a deep breath in and you hold and you push the breath up into the head which accesses all those parts of the brain that we're trying to access and it slows the heart rate down as you then release and you go through four rounds of that breathing each round you will get deeper and deeper access to that relaxation response and then you just rest deeply afterwards What was that like? That was sensational. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like um, I need to get everyone in the office doing that after two hours of reading emails. Yeah. That was really nice. Thank you so much. I just wanted to sit there in the peace for 10 minutes. Oh, I definitely recommend you try that afterwards when you can go. By the time you get to the third or fourth round, 
sometimes I'm I'm not breathing for like two and a half, three minutes. Right. And I'm just like having all these revelations and mind opening and then, then the urge comes. It's like, oh, breathe. <laughs> Huge breath in. And then the whole body is just like in this peaceful um, zen space. And the more you practice... Uh, this is something I do every morning now um, and I try to do it before I exercise um, if I'm then to go into a run after this my my heart rate stays on average about 10 beats per minute lower than it would if I wow. hadn't done the breathing beforehand yeah exactly the same track exactly I'm a distance runner so it's exactly the same kilometers and I still um, find a dramatic drop in my heart rate that's fascinating. During that, um, I was focusing on the breath, but then I, I had one of those brain moments and I, I was like, man, accessing the vagus nerve through doing that and putting our body into a parasympathetic nervous system response mm. and then coupling that with if you're in a sauna that is big enough for you to lay down, even just, the, even just being horizontal compared with sitting upright can actually put us into a state of parasympathetic. And then being in the sauna, studies show that being in infrared sauna puts us into a parasympathetic um, nervous system response as well. It's like all those things combined is why doing that in the sauna can be so powerful. Absolutely. And you're actually working with a stressor by being in the sauna. Um, being at this level, like already we are at 50 degrees hmm. and the body would naturally be in a stress response. So when I start the breathing, if I usually I've done by this stage, I've done my dry brushing, I've done my prayer, my meditation, and then I go into my breathing techniques, my heart rate would be up at around about 115 beats a minute because of the heat of the sauna. Mm. By the time I've finished four rounds, my heart rate is at about 59 beats a minute. Wow in the same temperature right like it literally over it teaches your body to override the stressor of the heat or um post this i do a cold plunge in an ice bath and it will override the ice mm. so my i find this is brilliant for recovery of joints and inflammation and, and all the things um and it it literally has you override that stress and if you're training your body to override stress when you go out to the day in your work and you have stress exposure your body is programmed to be able to open and help you relax in stress hmm. which is so beneficial <laughs> i think that leads into why so many entrepreneurs and you know really successful people um, like yourself <laughs> tony robbins you know all these guys they they have these morning rituals and it often involves breath work meditation and some form of low-level stress or hormesis, you know, whether that's sauna or going for a run like yourself and because you you set your day up right uh, but you also, you're, you're training yourself and you're giving yourself these tools that you can access throughout the day. So, yeah, when you do have stress come up, whether it be at work or in family or whatever, you're, you're just better equipped. Your mind is just in a better state to be able to handle those things. That's why I'm such a big advocate of meditation alone, you know, because when you start to have that awareness of things just happening, you can deal with something not going quite right. It's like, okay, well, that's just something not going quite right. That's okay. Uh, I'm not going to be harmed. <laughs> I can deal with that. It's just a thing that I need to work through. Uh, and yeah, I think that, that breath work there is just 
Um, I don't know why I haven't been doing that, actually. There's various ways you can do it as well. I mean, on, an, on a health note, somebody with ex- medically high blood pressure should get doctor's um, consultation, obviously, same with saunering, um, prior to doing that kind of breath work. Um, but there's another type of breath work I love, which is the box breathing, which I'm sure you have um, had somebody on yeah. one of your podcasts teaching box breathing, but very simply a, a four breath in, hold for four, four breath out, hold for four. Doing that as a relaxation exercise, like you're literally making a box with your breath, in two, three, four, hold, two, three, four, out, two, three, four, hold, two, three, four. And once you get into the rhythm of that kind of breathing, you lose the count. You don't need to count anymore. You're just lost in rhythmic breathing. Mm. That actually triggers the parasympathetic nervous system because it... The, the parts of your lungs that you're accessing, the filaments in the bottom of your lungs when you're breathing from, from that part of your lungs, it tells your mind and your amygdala that you can't be running from danger. There's no, mm. um, there's no risk to you because you're now breathing from the bottom of the lungs. Right. And so it triggers the parasympathetic nervous response. I actually do equine training with my horses and I can get the horses to do exactly the same breathing while they're frightened um, and they will calm down to the point of lying down. It's incredibly powerful and we are not using it. When we are the most stressed, we're the most (gasps) hyped up and we're talking from the top of our lungs and we're (laughs) barely taking a breath. Even just doing that for a couple of seconds, my brain's already going, whoa, what's what's up? You know, (laughs) it's how it's wired. It's not, there's nothing wrong with you. It's like it's wired to do that and set everything on on alert. Mm. The other thing that happens in our brains is our brains reward with a hit of dopamine when we make a pattern. So the reason games are so addictive is because we're accomplishing levels and we're making patterns so in a young adolescent brain that keeps giving a hit of dopamine every time they reach a new level they make a pattern they get a reward the brain releases dopamine and then they want the next hit so when we do when we have rituals and patterns and we start our day in that process um, no matter how busy we are, you know, at my busiest time with three kids, two businesses, single mum, I would still shave off 20 minutes by getting up 20 minutes before my first child would wake. Yeah. And I would do a cup of tea, a book, a breathing exercise, a prayer and a meditation. Mm. So um, when we have that pattern in our lives then and we do that pattern, our brain rewards us with dopamine and a release of serotonin which literally is our happy drug yeah so it's a it doesn't actually matter almost what your ritual is it's the process of following a ritual um, that will release those chemicals that put your mind in the best possible state for um, a happy experience in your life so it's it's like hacking your brain really to to do things you want it to do so are you saying are you saying that uh regardless of what the pattern is it's just the fact that if there's a pattern there we'll be rewarded absolutely i remember working with a family where there was three um, children with disability in the house the woman was raising the children on her own she was a grandmother um, and um, huge amounts of stress no support in place 
and I suggested a morning ritual to her and she laughed at me and said as if I've got time for any of that and I said all right well let's just do an experiment for one month that's four weeks that's 21 days which is enough to set up a new pattern right I said what do you have time to do nothing 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 okay cool well what about what do you love doing and she said I love reading that used to be my guilty pleasure it's like all right what what do you like to drink and she's like, oh, well, I love a cup of tea. So her morning ritual that she agreed to experiment with for 21 days was spending five minutes with a cup of tea reading five minutes of her book. That was it. Yep. And I gave her a book on mindfulness, which she started reading. And soon her five, <laughs> five minutes became 15 minutes. Then it became something she was like, I have this little gift that I give to myself every morning. Mm. It then became half an hour. So she started waking up at 5.30 so that she could have her half an hour to herself. And it put her in a whole different frame of mind for the day. Then instead of waking up yelling, resenting, Actually, what she was getting was a, yep. a hit of serotonin and a hit of dopamine that then when the kids gave their normal challenges to her, she was like, oh, well, how are we going to work with that? She was more in a creative mindset. Yeah. And by the end of 21 days, she actually had a really good ritual for herself that then she could add to then we started adding in there some health rituals okay how about we add to that a green smoothie in the morning how about we add to that a little breathing technique you know so we had space to add to it but yeah essentially no matter what your routine is in the morning um, it's a good place to start you know wherever that is start from somewhere it's better to have some pattern for your body to reward you than none at all absolutely I, I think there's some really wise words in there of just like starting with something that's five minutes, you know, whenever we look after our, our body, uh, we're rewarded from the universe or whatever you believe is, is out there. Um, we're always gifted something back. You know, that's what I love about fasting because it's the, one of the most efficient ways, or I believe the most efficient way to cleanse and heal the body. And so when you go through a process like that, it's hard, it's challenging, it's also a really beautiful experience. But afterwards, the universe just says, thank you for honoring this body that we've been gifted. Here you go with abundance and happiness and joy and love. And every time after I fast, it's just my life is just it's just improved. <laughs> it's just, there's just nicer things happening. Maybe it's just because my awareness is, is different and I see things as a gift, which they always are more clearly after fasting. But I just find whenever we give to our body and nourish ourselves, um, it's not selfish. It just, it's, it just allows us to be better humans and have a better experience of life. And I think that's what it's all about at the end of the day. The interesting word selfish. I, I love to challenge this word because I think it comes from the idea of being self-centered, um, which is such a good practice to have, to, to start with yourself, to take responsibility for yourself first before focusing on others or how it's others' fault or others, um, what you can give to others. You actually come with a full vessel and it's so valuable to do that. And fasting Smart. is, um, just picking up on your point there with fasting, it's a sacred ritual that's been done for as long as humans have existed. Right. Um, it leaves the body free from digestion, which is the biggest energy zapper, and lets it be completely available for detox, for revelation, for inspiration, for direct communication from 
all the molecules that are around you trying to communicate with you. So um, there's no faster way to raise your vibration, clear your body, calm your nervous system. Um, just make sure, obviously, people are doing it in the right way. But yeah. it's an incredible gift to give yourself. So, yeah, I can I can meet you in that gratitude for fasting. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, I know I turned my, my camera off for you, but uh, if you could see me now, I have the biggest grin <laughs> because just <laughs> absolutely. Uh, spot on words there. I love that. Um, so, if you uh, if you were chatting with someone and they said to you, "I'm dealing with some anxiety. I just feel like the world's on top of me, and um, you know, I just can't seem to put the right foot forward anywhere." What were some What are some simple things that you would say to that person that you know might be able to help them? Would it be start with something? Um, Build, building a pattern in the morning where would you kind of take them oh I mean it really depends on the individual I mean certainly what I did first thing I did was I sought help because when you're in the middle of it you don't know how severe it is or not um, because you've kind of like a frog in hot water um, or a person in a sauna you acclimatize to it slowly so you don't actually notice how hot you're getting um and it's the same thing with anxiety yeah. you don't actually notice how chronic it has or hasn't gotten um and you're you're not a neutral party you're you're in it yeah um so i would definitely recommend reaching out and getting some help even if that help is just a couple of catch-ups with a counselor that you respond well to um or a psychologist or, uh, you know, a psychotherapist or whatever sort of modality you choose. Um, I, I love a life coach, you know, who's trained in all those areas, but they also have some real practical training to give me as well. Um, and I make sure I'm seeing my, my life coach once a month to be able to um, obviously meet my supervision requirements in my profession, but also to make sure that I'm not missing something, you know. It's a, it's an expert opinion, which is I find incredibly valuable. So that's the first thing for me is, like, don't try to do it all on my own. Um, and the second thing would be to get to know morning rituals that um, serve you, that work really well for you, and sacrifice for them. Sacrifice a little bit of sleep for them. Sacrifice staying up late the night before for them so that you can get up earlier, <laughs> you know. It's like they're, they're actually worth the investment. Yeah. Um and practice gratitude when you are in a state of gratitude where you're grateful for what you have there is an experience of enough around you all the time and that is what abundance is you know when people talk to me about wanting to do work on their abundance and their manifestation i'm like well where's your gratitude practice yeah. um that's the magic that's the key when you start to see everything as full something switches in your brain and you are in a place of creating opportunities that <laughs> yeah. opportunities for yourself for your business for your um for, for more love more lusciousness more great sex more health you know all the things that people are, are trying to fill up and get yeah. it's, it's in the in the art of gratitude i find we experience that so they would be the things i would i would say make sure if there's one area of your life you're neglecting um we have in my my practice um, and you can see from our online well-being programs through get real institute um, that we cover all seven areas and we do assessments in those areas it's like how are you doing with your creativity you know what's missing in that how can you um, bring more creativity into your home life your work life your um, sport your whatever it is you know how's your health going mm. and all that sort of stuff so 
you know find a process for you that works to have a look at that and give your life a bit of a tune-up um, because anxiety is always communicating that something's out of balance mm, yeah that's that's great um so you mentioned get real institute there which we haven't really spoken too much about um is that a place where people can go like you just said they can um they can learn a bit about the seven areas that they can focus on to deal with their mental health absolutely so there's a series of 10 life hacks on there given in video sessions um there's a family pack for the young user there's an adults pack for um all of us grown-ups um and then there's kids kids packs as well so kids and teenagers um and they're a series of 10 well-being programs that deal with every aspect of life starting right from early stage stress management into um, self-assessments of all the seven essential human needs and how we um, how we can feed those into time and executive function work so time management what your values are how to set goals according to those then action planning, working with negative self-talk, everything you can possibly imagine. So every step along the way, um, it's a it's a 12-month program that you go through and you do one hack per month and you just work and play on it and then you report back what you've achieved and you've kind of got that um, level of support there. So um, for more information on that, you can go to um, getrealinstitute.com and you can have a look at the various packages or just email me and um, I'll send you through what might be best for what you're experiencing. Yeah, that's awesome. And there's actually a specific um, sessions, there's specific sessions for COVID-19 restriction kind of adaptation. Um, so in there you'll see Alex, um, you'll see yourself in there um, uh, and promoting the use of the saunas through the time where we can't get out and use the gyms as much and um, how to create really good health practices at home. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. No, you're doing some really cool stuff, Tams, and I, I, I think there's there's really not a, a more pertinent time for looking after looking after ourselves, but looking after our, our mental health, um, the stresses that isolation um, put on people. I think, you know, unless you're a psychologist, you're not really aware of the short, medium and long-term impacts. You know, even just not shaking people's hands, it's a weird thing and it puts distance between us and other human beings. You know, when we touch people, we connect with them. You know, when we hug them, we connect and I found even in business, you know, seeing people in like it's through Zoom or if you see them, you can't shake hands. You can't like it's just odd. And these things like have a, a mental impact over time. And so I'm sharing some gratitude right now for you and the work you're doing. I think it's really amazing. Same here. Same gratitude coming right back at you. I think it's so important what you're doing and really grateful to be with you in it. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Um, if people do want to, is there uh if they want to contact you, do they just go through Get Real? Yeah, so if you go www.getrealinstitute.com, that's the best one to connect with me. Um, if you have um, a young person that's experiencing some mental health issues, then probably through Alive is just as easy. You'll reach me either way, um, but uh, alive.org.au is our um, mental wellbeing and um, mental health charity. So you can contact us through either of those um, sources. We have various resources available uh, from books to 
well-being videos and courses online, which is a really good way to access support right now. Um, online counselling and coaching and um, sporting programs and school programs are also available. So, right. yeah, a whole bunch of stuff. But if you reach out to us, we can let you know what might best fit your situation. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for uh, sweating it out with me. Uh, thank you to iHealth for all your support and being a sponsor for Alive. It's been an incredible partnership. I look forward to seeing uh, this all come live. I'd love to be able to share it on our platform too. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much. If you're enjoying the podcast, please leave a review and subscribe to stay up to date with the latest episodes. 